On our show, Nick Sabicki with King's Forge, and introducing in this podcast a new section called Geek's Tabletop Game Review, where we review Unfair. Roll the dice. Hey, nerds. It's Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Exclusive tabletop game podcast for the uh, Pacific Northwest. Stupid, mindless, bad. There will definitely be some. That, that's probably our best. Lot that, that's, that's, that's our best. Our best feature. You are listening to the Geeks of Cascadia podcast, featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. This episode has been brought to you by Vern and Wells an all-inclusive, members-only social club for geek professionals in the style of Victorian parlors of old, a space for this new breed of geek. Visit us at www.vnw.club. Vernon and Wells, Imperium in Imperio. Now to our show. Hey, geeks! It's me, Blue Samurai, here, and welcome to Geeks of Cascadia. I'm here with... I guess that's me, the Costasaurus! (laughs) And Paul. And we are your place to go for tabletop game news, reviews, interviews, whatever. Mindless banter. Mindless mm-hmm. banter. Says in the promo. That's right. And hey, don't forget, please email us. So we know you're out there and alive and you're actually listening to us at geeksofcascadia at gmail.com. And if you could, if you just, just stop, maybe you can stop the pro- Actually, you don't have to stop. You can continue listening to us and go on iTunes and rate us five stars. Or I don't know if they do stars. Who knows? But I know... That's how spicy it is, yeah. If we think we're really spicy, give us five stars. And go to Facebook. You can also rate us there on our Facebook page. And uh, I think SoundCloud. And we're on a new format now, right? Yes. It's it's in beta, so you can't really get to it. It's called Podchaser. So we're just going to try it out. All right. So the two people out there that are using that, rate (laughs) us on that. Uh, what do we got for con news? Um, we got Dragonflight number 38 coming up. That's going to be August 25th through 27th. So that's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it's at the Bellevue Hilton, which is a really nice restaurant. Um, if it's your first time going there, you walk in the doors and you don't know where it is. And you have to kind of go in the back, get the elevator, and then go down to more or less as low as you can. And then you'll see how huge it is down there. And um, us at OrcaCon, we'll be there. We'll have our own table. So if you go, make sure you stop by and say hi. All right. Yeah. And in OrcaCon news, um, the hotel is almost ready for people. So you can book your rooms now, which would be great. That helps the con. It helps you. Mm-hmm. We get to just stay and relax. That way we don't freak out. Yeah. Uh, memberships, our badges mm-hmm. are, are, are live through the website, OrcaCon.org. You can also build a demo application or a games application. Mm-hmm. And very, very soon, maybe even by the time you hear this, the volunteers application will be available on the website. And volunteers are what makes the OrcaCon run. Mm-hmm. Can, we, can we sign up for games? I don't I was at the last meeting, so oh, okay. Oh, so if to you can so you can sign up to host a game, hosting game, oh, but you okay. can't sign up for okay. games. Yes, yes. I, I know because we're still going through that. I know for Dra- Dragonflight, you can sign up for games. In fact, I signed up for actually no, I signed up for my son Winston to play Car Wars. Yeah, um, I'm doing that. I'm got to get in on that. At you do that well, you, at Arcacon. I got to. You've yeah. got to do that because they're running out. They're running out of spaces actually. So, but 
we do um, have some great people that might show up to this thing at Dragonflight and Oricon. One might be Nick Sabicki. I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> um, Nick, if you're listening to this, which I'm sure you are, um, sorry it took so long to do this, but, you know, we're kind of volunteers and we get around to it, but we save the best for this episode. And you're the best. <laughs> And You're the best. Nick did a great Uber. interview with us about how he developed the game King's Forge. Uh-huh. Paul, did you what did you think about that interview with the game? It was great. It was it was it was it was very informative about what goes through a game developer's head and when the then th- there's different paths you can take. And he took a really cool path, which is very interesting. You have to listen to the interview to, to right. get and, filled in. And we played a little bit of King's Forge. We did. A little yeah. bit. So that was kind of it's fun. Cool. And there's uh, other expansions out there that you can get. Joe, did you have you ever played King's Forge? Yep. What did you think about it? Um, I thought I enjoyed it. I thought it. Um, I think the rules could have used a little better revising, um, but I thought the gameplay was really, really nice. Once we um, had somebody kind of come over who's played it and explain it to us, I mean, then I felt like it flowed pretty well once we started playing. Yeah, no, yeah, I enjoyed and, it. And, yeah. the, and Nick, by the way, is he's like the jack of all trades. He, he, I guess he teaches music um, at Evans Community College. He does. Nice. He does he develops games. He's a genius. He's he's what I want to be when I grow <laughs> up. When you grow if up. I ever grow up. Not a fireman? Not, no, not a fireman. Um, is there anything else? I think that's about it. Let's. We should go right into the interview. What do you say? Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. This part of the episode is brought to you by Games Plus. From board games to role-playing games to miniatures, we have something for the whole family. Come to Games Plus in Lake Stevens, Washington. Now, back to our show. Hey, nerds. Uh, we are here interviewing Nick Sabicki. How's it going, Nick? Oh, pretty nice. How are you? Nick is a local uh, developer and renaissance man. We'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> but he's the guy that developed King's Forge. Beautiful box here, Nick. I love it. And uh, maybe you'll have to talk about the artists that you got here. But uh, So, Nick, tell us about King's Forge. Yeah, so King's Forge is a game that's actually it's been out for about four years now, believe it or not. We did go through a second edition, and there's also three expansions released for it. So we've actually had wow. quite a big success, uh, you know, um, as far as, sorry, let's say the publisher is very happy with how it's doing, and, and you know, we're happy. That's good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's great. I mean, if you go through three expansions, you have a pretty well-developed <laughs> right. game. Um, so anyway, the, the game is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to state this, and uh, hopefully your, your, your audience is a little hip. I'm going to state that it's a push-your-luck Euro game. Okay. okay. And if you don't know what that means, uh, first of all, this is a non-existent genre. Right? I'm not fooling anyone because this, this genre does not exist for, for some obvious mm-hmm. reasons uh, once you understand what those phrases mean. But the first, mm-hmm. uh, a push-your-luck game is a game in which you uh, basically you know, take some small disadvantage or some small disadvantage, some small amount of risk accumulatively until you either lose everything or you win big. You know, okay. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's the general gist of how a push-your-luck game goes. Uh, you know, think of those people at the casino who want to let it ride. Yeah. Right? That's, that's ki- that kind of feeling exists in a lot of push your luck games. That's, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, a Euro style game, of course, is a, is a game that's in this modern uh, renaissance uh, of board games come out, coming out of Germany uh, where there's less uh, direct player conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, the emphasis in the game is more on building something or creating something with yourself and with uh, your, your peers. It's still competitive, mm-hmm. um, they tend to be economically driven. Uh, and you know it's 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 less about destruction and war like um, we think of a lot of American games think things like Risk and yeah and allies, and <laughs> destruction and traditionally that's why I'm a fighter in D and D. Well, see, there you go. 
Um, and, so, and so this is a game where it tries to combine those two things, this, this sort of push-your-luck-let-it-ride kind of mentality, along with uh, Euro, you know, almost worker placement style mechanics. That's cool. Yeah, and there's very few games that actually do this, and the reason is because usually the people who like push-your-luck games are not the people who like Euro-style, yeah. you know, strategy, economic-based mm-hmm. games. Because uh-huh. they got to think. They want to think. Well, they want to think. Yeah, push, push your luck, people. It's about that the, the right, gut, right? It's, right. It's, it's it gets you right here and here, and and you know those those Euro gamers, they they want to get yeah. way up here. The audience can't right. see where I'm pointing uh, with my yeah. hand, of course, <laughs> but I think they can imagine. Oh. Well, it looks great. I'm looking at the back. Does this require six-sided dice? <laughs> no, <laughs> it does not. Because luckily for you, it comes with over 80 oh, six-sided dice okay. in the box, and, and they are smaller dice. But the, the the other innovative thing about this game is that all the dice in the box aren't only something that you roll and push your luck with. They're actually also the resources, the different resources and units of those resources in the game. Okay. Uh, so when you want to spend a wood, you actually place a die on the card, and okay. that wood is both the thing that you're going to roll to try to craft items with, as well as the thing you're going to spend to get See, bigger I and thought stuff. the dice were there so that you could use it for your fireball in D&D. Ah, you can, absolutely. Okay, it's, a, okay. it's a side bonus, absolutely. You know, if, you're, if, if you got some RPGers, you know, who mm-hmm. just want to get a nice collection of 80 dice. And so, uh, the game, how many players, and what's the age recommendation? Yeah, so, so the base game plays two to four players, mm-hmm. uh, and I really like it with all... You know, all, each of those two, three, and four players. Mm-hmm. If you add on the Apprentices expansion, you can add a fifth player. But the fifth player does increase the playing time, though, because you actually do have to add more mm-hmm. cards to the game. So instead of about a 45 to an hour long game, it mm-hmm. might become more like an hour and a half game. For the fifth okay, player. still not bad. Still pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it's still it's still a middleweight kind of. Uh, what's the age range? Uh, uh, I think officially it's 12 and up, but I, you know, turned it over. I've, I've played it with a lot of kids. I see it right yeah. here. Oh, 13. Is it 13? 13. Okay. 13. But a lot of that. So, right, so, so do you guys want to? You want a guy? You, you guys want a, a board game secret industry inside? Sure. Yeah. So most of the age ranges on the box mm-hmm. are just complete bullpucky. Bull <laughs> no. And, <laughs> and, and do you know what they're actually determined by? How's that? They're determined by the actual manufacturer. And it has more really? to do with the component quality and the types of inks and dyes that have been okay. used. They're in very the subjective. Not there's not a formula that and they follow. Huh? They're, they're, well, they're basically if they make it with such and such type of ink or die casting or, or whatever type of processes, basically if it's below a certain age, they have to get a bunch of approvals because then it has to be kid friendly. Yeah. Okay. So you'll see a lot of games out there that say you know 13 and up mm-hmm. and are around there just because of the materials okay. that are involved, yeah. not necessarily because it's actually recommended for. You need to be okay. 13 to play it. So, okay. I thought maybe they just went, dude. Look at all these dice that Nick put in here. Uh, it's <laughs> way too complicated. <laughs> way too complicated for an 11 year old. No, I've played this with a lot of kids. Actually, you know, seven, eight year olds can well, looks can fine. even get into it. Yeah. So, how did you start? This? I mean, what was the the genesis? What, what, of, yes. Yeah. Tell me. So, so I'll, I'll go way, way back for you. Okay. Okay. Uh, if we go way, way back. I saw this movie called Star Wars Whoa. when I was a kid. I have seen that movie as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, we should hang out sometime. We should, yes. <laughs> and anyway, I'm Star Wars, if you if you mm-hmm. recall the film, which I know people's memories are kind of fuzzy about those <laughs> sorts of things, they're playing this game on the Millennium Falcon with these uh, little 3D hologram, oh, yeah. holographic yeah. characters. Mm-hmm. I believe it's pronounced Dejaric, although I think I've only really read about it. I don't know if I've... Yeah, I, I do not know. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, I watched this movie as a kid, and I don't know, I don't quite remember how old I was. I was probably around the age of seven, eight, you know. And uh, I, I was like, oh, that's a game. And I was trying to figure out, oh, how do you play it? And I couldn't, you know, you, just, you can't figure it out from watching the movie. It looks kind of like chess. But, yeah. Right. Um, 
you know, but, but I was playing a lot of chess as a kid because my parents taught me that. And, and I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to make that game. And my dad, <laughs> my dad had a little wood shop in the basement. And mm-hmm. I said, Dad, I want to make this thing. And, and he got all into it. He, was, he didn't want to play the game at all. He has no interest in games, yeah. unfortunately. You know, he's a dad's dad. Kind of kind of dad. But he's like, you know, he's all about, you know, getting the wood shop and, you know, yep. putting sounds together like some dad. pieces mm-hmm. and, and making a board. <laughs> that sounds like a great father-son activity. So uh, we did. We, we, we made it. And I, you know, tried to make up a rule set. Uh, you know, when I was a long, mm-hmm. young kid, mm-hmm. and in retrospect, it was awful. Like yeah. it was, a, you know, imagine a seven-year-old designs a game. You can sort of imagine the types of problems. Sure. Um, <laughs> but but I did recognize actually after trying to play it and, and sort of testing it out with you know my brother and mm-hmm. whoever would play with me that uh, there were problems, and so that was both demoralizing uh-huh. as a kid, um, but also but also you know sort of made me realize oh like I can actually kind of figure this out maybe you know it was also encouraging right yeah. in the sense that were like, you oh. playing any other games at the time besides oh you know I played a lot of the the traditional American games uh, a lot of a lot mm-hmm. of my gaming youth was instilled by my grandmother okay, okay. and uh, she loved games and she and she mm-hmm. you know would take care of me after school every day after mm-hmm. my parents were still working for you know an hour or two. So we would play games. And that's sort of like what we did. So, what kind of so, games? Yeah. Uh, so, so again, I'm, you know, your traditional Americana, mm-hmm. Risk, Monopoly. Okay. Uh, my grandma ah, really yes, liked okay. Chinese checkers, mm-hmm. uh, or, um, which was another favorite. We played a lot of checkers too, of course. Um, we played a lot of chess. So a lot of traditional like, Milton Bradley yes, type yeah, games. Okay. Par- you know, and Parker Brothers. You mm-hmm. know, we did we did um, uh, the pipe dream game. Uh, cards with the pipes. Uh, oh, what oh, is that sh- game called? Yeah, yeah. Are you talking about no. shoots? No, 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 no. No, it's a game where you lay cards yes, down. And yes, and you build those pipes. Huh. Yes, yeah. I can't remember the name of it, and I actually just came across it again like last year, and I brought back so many memories. I was like, <laughs> oh my god, I haven't thought about this in years. Uh, and then, you know, we also played some of the dexterity games like Kerplunk and Jenga and, yeah. and these sorts of things. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was fairly middle of the road. It wasn't too specific, or, or at least really gamer, what you think of as a gamer game um, until I got to high school. High school, I discovered Axis and Allies. Oh, uh, love that game! Yes, love that and game. it is both amazing and it's terrible. Right? I mean, it's, there, there's so many great things you can say about that so game. So many different versions. And there's so uh, many is different there, versions. Is there a particular version you, you like? Or? No, no, because I've only played the one you know Milton Bradley version that existed. It's oh, the original. Uh, I'm not. Even, I can't even say for sure if it's the original okay. because this would have been you know 1996, 97. Okay. Uh, so I assume maybe, but I mean that it, as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned, that version had existed for many years before then as yeah. well. So. I mean, it's 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 the iconic one. I'll mm-hmm. put it that way. That it, that was probably the same box cover for like thirty years. And you, uh, what was your favorite uh, country you like to play? I, I love the Allies in particular, okay. and, and because I thought I thought Russia was correct. boring. Okay, that's good. You know, <laughs> I thought I thought the Axis. I thought Japan. Actually, I really like playing mm-hmm. Japan. Um, but I thought playing so the, the Russians really boring. You just buy as many dudes as you can and hope you don't get killed. Yeah, uh, yeah. was basically all you do with Russia. Japan was was actually a fun to play, but really on the Allies, I really like Great Britain just because okay. they were kind of. It's a, a little challenging playing Great Britain because you got to do yes. the whole map. Yes, you're, and that was what I liked about it. Right, yeah. it's this global. You're taking you're, you're mm-hmm. pushing and pulling a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. So, okay. uh, but anyway, so so I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or you guys digress. You guys, I know we're awful. We're awful. We're absolutely terrible. Okay. Uh, so anyway, you know, as gaming lives continue, you know, oh, I was also playing a little bit of Magic: the Gathering because you know, why not? Because yeah. everyone else, who else is in the yeah. games in the nineties? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll say I, 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 I'm grateful I stopped playing after. Wow. A few so years, you did. You know, so you, 
So, you, you know, you're a nerd gamer doing all that, and then yeah, you yeah, had it's, that it's, e- it, the epic fail with the game that you did before, but you learned a lot. Right, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, and all these games that I'm playing, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, always, I'm always looking to improve on them or rebalance mm-hmm. them, you know. So if we're playing a bunch of games of Axis and Allies or something, we can mm-hmm. t- consistently find that, oh, Russia needs a little bit more help. You know, we'll, right. we'll, com- we'll, cr- we'll, create, we'll add a rule or two. And I think yeah. most gamers do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've, I just might have been a little bit more technical about it and a little bit more documented about it. Um, in terms of like actually right. printing out cards and saying, okay, here, we're yeah. going to play this version, and right. here's your new card. We're, we're, we're always like, card. we thought of a rule to make this better last time, or a rule to ignore it. Which was that? Yeah, what was that? <laughs> uh, we can't remember. So, so for you, as uh, time went on, you're probably, this probably King's Forge was like in your brain trying to develop, and it's... No, not at all. No, not no, at no. all? You're, you're, so, so we haven't gotten to the wow. end of the story. okay. <laughs> so I know this, this might not be the most interesting story, but I'm going to tell it anyway, because... <laughs> oh, no, this is interesting. Damn it, so I'm here. And so uh, we're know, here till nine. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, I go off to college. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and you know, I start you know making little bits of games, just like card games and, and drinking games and things like mm-hmm. this, just on my own. Um, but it's not until after I graduate college that I start jo- joining real board game groups and discover you know wow, real okay. real gaming. You know, uh, circa somewhere between two thousand five and two thousand eight. Okay. And so you know, started to get into we'll say hobby games. You know, at this point. Um, and at this point, I start, you know, actually just designing games. You know, I get a copy of Photoshop and start mm-hmm. making nicer-looking cards. Cool. Uh, and I get a, a couple accounts to to stock photo websites, just use mm-hmm. stock photos as art. Uh, and I start working on, you know, my, my manifesto game, an evolution-based game called mm-hmm. Fino. Hmm. Okay. That, that was, you know, it, it involved lots of different things. It was, you know, had, a, had an element of area control, but it was also a, 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 a influenced by Robo Rally's uh, programming mm-hmm. aspect, where you'd actually program what your animal was going to do oh, on the cool. island, you know, mm-hmm. that okay. way. Uh, and, and it went through about seven major versions and revisions over a period of probably about four or five years. In other words, it was a mess. Like, it was just... That's right. Yeah. It was just a mess. And my, you know, I have fr- friends that I made play this game over and over again because this is what you do when you. Oh yeah, and they're no games. longer your friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, actually, they, you know, they, they, they're still friends, but I think they're thankful okay. for certain games that have passed by. You know, but they, they still, I think they have, mm-hmm. despite the problems with the game, they have mm-hmm. actually quite fond memories of, of you know, playing with me. Yeah. So they give me a lot of mm-hmm. encouragement. That's good. And so I was working on this game and working on several other um, ideas, uh, and and you know, I. I Re- you know, I hadn't really had made a professional contact yet. I wasn't doing anything professionally. Mm-hmm. Nothing was going out to the public again. This is just all basically for myself and my friends. Okay. Um, and I, 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 I take a job at a college where they have a board game club. Uh-huh. And it's a, you know, it's a pretty serious hobby game, board game club. And I realized that I can start using this club as my own semi, you know, dedicated playtesting group. Yeah, right. that's clever. Okay. And so this is, this is really the, the most important thing. If you're a budding game mm-hmm. designer or, or have aspirations is to basically just have a group of slightly younger people that you can boss around, uh-huh. <laughs> maintain some air of authority, mm-hmm. and just give them things to play and play test. And, and you should have done that in the Army. Yeah. Yeah. ordered my start, soldiers start to, to, play, to yeah. play the games. Any group you have. I'm just, that's right. like That's the key. That's the entire cool. key. Well, now they got a so, what, professional group of play testers now. But anyway, that's uh, on uh, a tangent. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Well, it's nice not to have to you know pay for people. Right. You know, yeah, and, well, that's true. And, and you know, with... with I think I think with a, with a group that's 
in you know at a college where they're all they're all friendly with each other, they're all yeah. being social, and you can just kind of peek your head in and, mm-hmm. and, and sit in and actually see how they're interacting and seeing if they're enjoying it or not. You can you can mm-hmm. be you can be actually be an observer, yeah. uh, which is also really important. Whereas if you are working with a, game, a play test team, they're going to give you very direct feedback, which is great, right. um, but you're actually not really going to get a good feeling for how the game truly works. Yeah. So anyway, I was making them play test these various games, mm-hmm. and I design I I uh, actually got. Um, the Elder Scrolls Skyrim video game, mm-hmm. which I loved all the Elder Scrolls. I played, you know, almost all of them. Yeah. You know, especially Moral, you know, played a lot of Morrowind. And, uh, you know, this game came out and started playing it for, like, you know, two weeks straight, as you are to do. Uh-huh. And at the end of that, I went, oh, that's such a good game. But, man, I wish the crafting part of Skyrim was, like, more gamey. Yeah. Because, you know, you yeah. just run around, collect 50 iron, and you go stand in front of the thing, you hit X a million times. And that's not very interactive. You can, you can get yeah. lost in it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, it's the game yeah. I like it. I mean, it's, 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 it's like fishing in World of Warcraft. It's exactly that's exa- it's exactly the same process, right? Like, why am I here fishing? Why am when I doing this? Be really fishing. <laughs> I like gathering herbs in oblivion. Yeah, oh, I like yes. it for hours. Yep. But anyway, go yep. ahead. Same, same idea. Yeah. So, but it's all the same idea. And so, and so, it's it's it was that genesis, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end of 2011, at which. Like within two weeks, I had this idea for King's Forge. Cool. Was, okay. Was I want to make a game about crafting items, you know, and actually make mm-hmm. a, make it actually fun and not just mm-hmm. hitting X a million times yeah. in front of the fishing pond. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and, and you did, and it looks great. Yeah. And so it sounds like you had this idea, and then obviously used the uh, this this group that you're you're with and play test it, and make some revisions and everything. But it's but it sounds like all the way up to about. 2011, maybe a little past 2011. So it's always been about, well, I'm gonna just do this out fun. But at some point, you decide, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna actually try to publish this and and, yeah, and get I, it out there. So how'd you do? And it? I don't like to share this part of the story. Uh oh. Okay. Because there's a couple problems with it. Uh, number one, dumb luck just played such a huge role in it mm-hmm. that. It, it gives me no good advice to give anyone else who wants to get <laughs> That's often how it works, though. Yeah, yeah. we've talked a lot of game developers. <laughs> All different paths. A yeah. lot, there's the one factor is luck. Yeah, oh my you God. Know, you it's either there or not there, right? Yeah. You know? and, and I mean, as a gamer, we all understand that, but right. it's, so, it's just so... And you didn't do the, the traditional crowdsourcing, uh, crowdfunding, so the so, crowdfunding. So, <laughs> so we did and I didn't. And I'll, okay. I'll, I'll explain sure. it. So, for a sec- so as far as the luck was concerned, mm-hmm. uh, there was another game that I, that I admired quite a bit called Alien Frontiers. Okay. okay. That uh, I think it came out 2011. You guys can double check mm-hmm. it. Um, it was one of the first big, like, real Kickstarter successes, um, you know, for, at least for board games. It mm-hmm. wasn't a huge Kickstarter compared to today's numbers, but it really, you know, helped go, oh, wow, it was one mm-hmm. of those games that people saw and go, oh, you can put your board game on Kickstarter. And I learned that the the publisher of this game was local to Edmonds at the time. Oh, okay. It was Clever Mojo Games. They uh, now are ba- basically owned by Game Salute, so it's, you know, they're in a different mm-hmm. umbrella. Um, they're this, you know, relatively tiny little uh, board game studio. They had, a, they had mm-hmm. a, a, I mean, it was a garage, basically, but it was a really nice garage, like a furnished garage mm-hmm. where they did all their development yeah. and testing. Um, and just on a whim, I said, you know, hey, I, I wrote, you know, the guy an email basically it's a, one, it's a it's a one guy company with a couple hirelings right? yeah right yeah and i said hey i have this game that's you know partially influenced by alien frontiers uh and if you don't know anything about alien frontiers it's a game mm-hmm. where you have a bunch of dice that represent spaceships we call it uh, spa- is that space yachty? i think that's space, space yachty. Yachty. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we call it space yachty too <laughs> okay yeah space oh, yachty. yeah my uh we we play a lot and uh my son usually beats the crap out your of son us. is my what 12 year old well 13 year old now but yeah, yeah he's 12 no. at the time. <laughs> well well anyway i wrote to david mckenzie love that game absolutely yes. it's great 
and and I, I was very blunt with him. I said, you know, look, I, I really like your game. I have, a, I have a game that's very much in the spirit of it, mm-hmm. but it fixes the problem with Alien Frontiers. Oh, okay. And I, and I told, and this is the, first, the, the problem with Alien Frontiers is you roll your dice on your turn, and then it takes about a minute just to figure out what to do. Well, everyone has nothing else to do because no one else has rolled their dice yet. Mm-hmm. They're all they they can't really plan their turn without knowing what spaceship numbers they have available. Oh, right. And so the, the well, well, then there's that jerk that takes that spot that you. Oh, and then and then someone takes the spot you want. So <laughs> yeah. so it has that. That one. would be my son. Anyway, go. Yeah. <laughs> so so unlike a lot of other Euro games, mm-hmm. right, where you actually really are reading through mm-hmm. the moves and figuring out your your planning mm-hmm. uh, in pretty great detail, you can't do that in Alien Frontiers. So you have so much more dead time, or at least it feels like so much more dead time to the game because there's. I've, I've noticed that. I mean, I haven't played it, but because I was, yeah. I've seen it at OrcaCon, like yeah. usually when I'm working the game room, so Steve mm-hmm. and Steve and Winston and somebody else are playing this game and so it, it, uh, I kind of got that feeling just walking by there's a lot of dead time where you're not doing anything right. waiting for someone to take your space that's right <laughs> that's why I think it works better I think you can only just do four players I think they, they have an expansion that adds on oh they did yeah, see I, I don't, don't know don't recommend, yeah, don't recommend. Yeah, I don't know it'd be kind of tough to have more people yeah, <laughs> yeah four, four is four is a lot yeah um, just because you can't plan on your turn right mm-hmm. and that's yeah. and, that, and so I you know I said I said hey I, I designed a game that fixes that problem no one rolls That's their dice till the end of the round. Mm-hmm. And so okay. they just push your luck element to see if everything you okay. planned out actually works out or not. I'm getting it now. That's cool. And so he said, huh, well, you know, let me, maybe we'll schedule in for a, for a session and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll demo it. And quite, I brought it in and we, we played a couple of rounds of it. Mm-hmm. And he said, wow, that was cool. Thanks. I'll, you know, maybe we'll be in touch. Okay. And a week later, he wrote me an email back and, and gave me a phone call and said, hey, do you want to actually publish this for real? Wow, that's cool. That is good. That's great. That yeah. Good. So I mean, a lot of it's being in the right place, the right time, with the you right You rolled a twenty. And the, yeah. And dude, yeah. So I, I have no <laughs> advice for anyone else. Like, that, there's just no advice. Well, well you found I mean, somebody who could help you. Well, here's, I, <laughs> there's a lot of people that I, I've ran into a lot of people, and probably one of them is like, "Oh, I got this great idea for a game," but they never do anything about it. I mean, yeah. you actually did something about it, and maybe I think the advice just by you talking is like. Hey, if you got something, write it down, do it, play test it. You yeah. Know? Otherwise, nothing's going to happen, right? Absolutely. So there you go. See, there, there, I do have See, advice. There you Look go. at that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, be sure to send those checks to Blue Samurai. No. Um, so how long did it take you from the initial concept and all the play testing to actual this game's a go? Quite a long time. Now, mm-hmm. I, should say, I should say the core of the game this game was just one of those games where, where everything just comes together and it's magic. Like two weeks, the core of the game was done. Okay. So there was no... Re- when you introduced it, there was no well, when, when revisions I, more, from... More, no, no. There's, there's always revision. There's always tweaking. But right. but the core mechanics and the basic flow of the game... Mm-hmm. Um, basically, from that moment, after after I, I kind of put down Skyrim for more than five minutes <laughs> and, and made this game, right. was really about a two-week process between I had this full set of cards made mm-hmm. and, and, again... The base game adds, added up. We added, we developed a whole bunch of other cards oh. to add on top of it, mm-hmm. um, but a pretty fully working prototype within about two weeks, which never happens, right? This right. is this is not really. Did possible. you have the artists before you met? No, 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 no. no. So this, no, so I'm I'm going in with basically just little uh, stock again, you know, stock image art. Wow, okay. Uh, is is what I'm showing off to the the publisher. You know, it's just, and a lot of it is just like here's a picture of a sword and a plate armor, right. and things you can craft and. Um, you know, the, 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 there's a village which is also sort of randomized. And, you know, you just mm-hmm. get a picture of a building. So here's your, you know, your armory. Here's your cemetery. Uh, 
Um, so yeah, it was, you know, you know, if you're if you're a game designer mm-hmm. and you're interested in designing games, it's not that important for you to have artwork uh, until yeah. you actually. Yeah. Right, you know, are going to that final level. So that is like now, a huge part of the cost too. Yeah, and, and so one of the last games I've mm-hmm. developed, or I, I've, I've developed, and will be released at. Um, uh, actually, I'm not allowed to say that. I'm not, I can't say when it's going to be released. What? It will be 2017 <laughs> now. I, Did, I can't. Any, I can't make promises. Right? Can you That's make the name? Can you make the name and uh, the concept of oh, it? Oh, absolutely. This, this okay. was on Kickstarter. We, had, we we actually put it on Kickstarter last oh, year. Okay. So we were very successful. But a lot of the artwork was done a little bit too early for that, and so a lot of the artwork ended up needing to be revised oh, okay. as went through play testing and such. So, um, so again, I would caution against mm-hmm. doing artwork too early. Right. Uh, but that game is called Farlight. It's about building spaceships. Oh, cool! I love it. Okay. Very cool. Now you, you also have a game called Ten Minute Heist. Yes, also mm-hmm. coming out this summer. Okay. Yes, and that's that's a, I mean, I'll call it a light game, okay. um, but it's definitely a thinky light game. You know, it's definitely in the in the realm of games like For Sale. Uh, is kind of what I like to think of the weight. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that game, um, or if you've played, you know, Ink and Gold, or. We can play more games. Or Biblios. Is I know. Probably another so game. many games. <laughs> okay. Well, it's in, it's in the... I mean, I'm really enamored with these small, really mm-hmm. tight, fast-playing games that have really meaningful decision on each of your turns. Okay, or, or yeah, me too. That's what I like. And so if you really want those, like, tight, meaningful mm-hmm. games, uh, you know, for me, For Sale is, is one of the gold standard versions of that. Okay. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're podcast listeners, also listen to, like, The Dice Tower. You know, Tom Vassell will basically bring that with him mm-hmm. wherever he goes. That's one of his favorite small convention games. Biblios is, if you also listen to, that, to those guys, Z Garcia, I think that's one of his favorite games. And again, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's these little small card drafting games that are just really, you know, just, just beautiful. I mean, they're just, I'm just really enamored of the designs of how much game you can get in the tiniest box possible. Yes, yeah. I try to get a game that has, um, because, and, and you'll, you'll know this because you have a child and when they get older, um, it's like, how can I get this game to uh, be played with the whole family? And I have a child with special needs, so, um, Splendor. Oh, was great. great for the Absolutely. whole family, yeah. and including my middle child, um, and he he loved it. It was great. So, um, what other games do you have besides uh, that I have out in yeah. the market? Yeah. So, so the, well, well, I have I have a lot of rejected designs on my bookshelf, my sure. IKEA bookshelves. Sure. On the market right now, the only one I have is King's Forge and the three mm-hmm. expansions. Okay. After the summer, I'll have Ten Minute mm-hmm. Heist, The Wizard's Tower, and mm-hmm. Farlight will also be available. Wow. And then, how many failures do you have? So, I, so the listeners know, like. You just gotta keep trying. I yeah, mean, I, right? you're uh, not gonna start off with, with a win. I, I mean, I, I can tell you some of my favorite failures. I don't know if mm-hmm. I can list them all or even try to count at this point. But but uh, some, some of my favorite failures, ones that mm-hmm. I still like, like in my brain, these still exist as games. <laughs> right, yeah. But they're just not good enough for, for one reason mm-hmm. or another. I do. I actually have one tip. If you're a game designer, mm-hmm. and this is this is the only thing I know, if you're not throwing away most of what you're doing, you're doing mm-hmm. it wrong. Yeah, that makes sense. Is it hard to let go? Oh, absolutely. Like, remember that Evolution game yeah, I referenced yeah. earlier? Again, I was working on that for like four or five years, yeah. right? Uh-huh. This, is, this is a problem. Do you, find, do you think you're going to find yourself going back to the past and maybe trying it? My, brain, my brain thinks mm-hmm. I'm going to, but mm-hmm. I know it's a bad idea. Yeah. Okay. Like, like, like I, I've comforted myself. Mm-hmm. I've made my peace by thinking that at some point, oh, yeah, I'll go back and I'll actually make this a thing. But I know that's a terrible idea because you know you're always changing, you're always evolving, you're always going to be doing something different. Mm-hmm. And you know, quite honestly, there is there is some trendiness in the board game hobby now as mm-hmm. a hobby. And you know, a lot of your ideas that you've had, you know, ten years ago, aren't really going to match up with the current aesthetic. Right. And and you know, it might have been cool if it got released ten years ago. 
Yeah. But right. now there's yeah. games that have done what you were trying to do better, faster, and, yes. and with right. shinier just, components. Just, just sitting here, by the way, at a round table game pub in Linwood, Washington, we're surrounded by these, all these, these um, amazing games. It's, it's got to be hard to come up with something that, that's new. Absolutely. Or is right. it, well, this is just like blah, blah, blah game. So that, that, that's just incredible. Amazing, amazing to me. It's luck, right? I mean, you just like, you can design a game and next thing you know, you're the next Dominion or whatever. Uh -huh. You didn't know. Yeah. Right. And you just made it and then people like it. And I don't know what that magic is or how you figure that out. Or do you just go into it going, you know what, I'm going to make a game that's fun to me and I'm not going to worry about all that well, other stuff. So, so I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, right? This is a problem for, if you're a game designer, right? This is like, you know, how do you actually make a game that people will want to play, right? Is sort of your problem. And, and I'll at least speak from a third person sense that I, I, you know, I have a fairly more large game designer network at this point mm -hmm. than, I, than I certainly had when I was in high school and, and developing games on my own. Um, and, and we'll now share more game ideas back and forth. And it's, it's fairly frequent mm -hmm. that I'll come across a game designer or designer with some quote-unquote new idea. Yeah. And I'll, I'll play through a demo of it or, or go through, I'll, I'll listen mm -hmm. to their spiel or play test. And I'll go, well, you made this game. You know, you just made Reiner Knizia's, you know. Yeah, right, whatever, yeah. Right? Exactly. Uh, and video games are like that a lot as well. Absolutely. Where well, this is just God of War again, but with some, something more cartoony. Yeah, never. Right. The whole, well, think of the whole <laughs> FPS genre right, yeah. in general, right? It's, it's all the same game. You know, it's just variations. Right. So, you know, I have to, I often have to tell my peers, you know, um, you know, this game already exists, right? You right. Know, yeah. Yeah. So, so you're it's breaking very, hearts. I, I, breaking I, hearts. I'm a little bit of a ball breaker, but that's also kind of what I do at the college. Well, so right. so yeah. game, gamers catch on to yeah. that. They they know that and they talk yeah. about it. Oh, yeah. And they say, "Well, this game is just like this game, so you've already played this." Right, but don't often, but here's the thing: often they don't care. Either. Yeah, they can go both true. ways. Often yeah. they'll they'll discover a game, and not and most many gamers won't be aware of the previous game. And actually, right over there, I'm looking at Vinci right over there, right on the t on right, the, right. What? Well, and yeah. And Vinci, mm -hmm. do you notice what it's sitting right next to? No. Small World. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, if you've... Have you guys played Small World? I have. I have. Okay. I have. Have you played Vinci? I have not played Vinci. Well, you should, because you already know how to play. Oh, uh, okay. And so Small World is, is a fantastic looking and, 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 and colorful and... I hate and, it when and, my civilizations well die out, though. But yeah. <laughs> oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> it breaks my heart. <laughs> but I'm saying, look at the shiny, shiny box. Yes. Right? And look at the bland Vinci box mm -hmm. next to it. And, of course, none of your podcasters can actually see what we're talking about. <laughs> right. But right. It's, at its core, those are the same thing. Mm -hmm. you know, it's the same game. And so, which one are you going to buy? Yeah. I know, that's very true. You know, you bring up a good point, because you, you have a situation with RPGs. You had, you know, D&D, &D, and then until they get to 3.5, then Pathfinder. Pathfinder came out, and the Pathfinder became very popular. Uh -huh. Now, and of course, now D and D's got TS, they're not TSR. Oh my God, I'm dating myself. Uh, no goes, you know, they put out 5.0, and, and now it's it's doing gangbusters. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, and it's, it, and, and it's it's not that Small World is wrong. Right. Right. But again, if if someone brought me Small World before it was released, mm -hmm. I would have had a real hard time justifying that it should be published. Although it's it's you know a mm -hmm. huge seller and a hugely popular right. game. Just because of how it looks and how it feels and how it plays with the theme. So that was, that's what makes it popular: the the draw, the maybe the look and everything. I, I mean, right? I mean that's 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 part of it. But it, you know, you also have games, uh, you know, that, that gamer gamers will really appreciate mm -hmm. um, just to have on their shelf. 
Yeah. Um, you know, kind of thing. Like, like you know, you don't see you know Twilight Imperium getting played that often. Oh my god, that game <laughs> goes um, forever. You have to win a whole weekend. You want to waste uh, it? Like uh, five thirty-eight is what. Mm-hmm. Five thirty-eight. I think it's what it's called. The the, the um, Freeman Freesay. I don't know that one. Yeah. It's a game. It's a game where there's different modules. Mm-hmm. And every time you play the game. Uh, you play a different game. There's 500. And, okay. I think it's I think it's 538 games are in the box. Wow. And the rule book's actually the coolest part of that game because it's mm-hmm. it's on a spiral bound notebook, and then each page is a third of the each each page in the rules is only mm-hmm. a third of the, the notebook. Okay. Oh, wow. And so okay. you, you can actually just flip to the, the three sets of rules you want to use to play the game. Okay. Um, most of the games are not mm-hmm. very good. Or is it five, <laughs> 502? 502. That's what it is. No, okay. is it 502? <laughs> I don't know. That was the number. <laughs> All right, someone out there smarter than me. Smarter than me. Somebody well, write us. Let us know. So yeah. there's there's a lot of Geeks games. Geeks of Cascadia at gmail.com. Anyway. Anyway, there's a lot of games out yeah. there that actually you don't see getting played that often, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not as interested in making those games. Right. So when you design this game, like King's Forge, were you thinking I'm going to do expansions? You know, or did that just come out afterwards? I mean, it's hard to say at what point that happened. But the way that King's Forge works, it has a little bit of a... Of a if you guys are familiar with Dominion. Mm-hmm. Um, Dominion ability where you can actually just sort of substitute in new places in the village and new items to craft. Okay. Um, so it makes expansions stupid easy. Okay. Uh, and so that's why they've also... They do you have three successful ones. Do you think, as a developer, do you, is that something you think about when developing a game? It's like, okay, I'm going to develop this game, but I'm going to keep it... I'm going to have the rules kind of flexible so that I can throw in an expansion. You, it, or maybe do you do you have it this big? It's like, oh, man, that's too much. I'm going to I'm gonna just turn this to an expansion next yeah, year. So, so, all right, I'll, so, so I'll actually have two games coming out this summer that both mm-hmm. that, that sort of tackle that, that uh, thought from two different angles. Mm-hmm. Um, Farlight was a game about building spaceships. You are building these spacecraft using parts, right? Okay. Using cards. These cards are parts. And they all cost different things, and they all... They all get shuffled, shuffled into a deck, um, and they all do different things um, to go on these missions that all require different stuff. Okay. When I hear that, I think, oh, that's, like, infinitely customizable. Yeah. Uh, I can just yeah, have, have it keep, yeah. keep right. doing new stuff. And so I'm not really thinking about expansions when I'm designing the game. I'm trying to make a game that works unto mm-hmm. itself. I want to make the cleanest, most fun, most strategic right. gaming experience possible for the people who are playing it at that time. But I'm also in a world, again, in that Euro game world where we're building stuff. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're when you're trying to put together something as a player, like you do, you know, you, you do in a lot of Euro games, right? This this less focus on destruction. Um, you know, there are, there's a lot of variation that you can you can introduce after mm-hmm. you already have the system in place. And so, you know, Farlight, I haven't thought about expansions for it. Like I'm not I'm not there. You're just building it to have I'm, fun, that's right? right. I mean, that's but I'm also well aware that the system will lend itself to expansions quite easily later on down the road. Um, I'm also aware, like we have a game called you know Ten Minute Heist: The Wizard's Tower. This is a super fast, super clean, you know, card drafting game where you steal a bunch of items from a wizard. From mm-hmm, cool. Wizard. Uh, and you, uh, you know, I, I, the design of the game dictates that it, that's kind of the game, right? That mm-hmm. making expansions for it is actually quite difficult. Okay. Um, okay. They could be like three card expansions. You could have like three cards at a time, right? But the game is it only takes ten minutes, right? There's only mm-hmm. you don't you, there's no room for an expansion. Um, and so the publisher, uh, Daily Magic Games, they've kind of approached me and said, "Well, you know, if this when this after this releases, uh, if this does continues to do well, because um, it already had a, a pretty good sized Kickstarter for it mm-hmm. um, to get it off the ground, um, if this continues to do well, we will uh, instead of looking at expansions, we'll do sort of rethemed and reimagined versions of the game." 
And so instead of doing 10 minute heist okay. the first tower, we'll look at maybe doing, you know, 10 minute heist the pyramids. Okay. Uh, and, okay. And so, okay. and, and. Kind of like how Catan does has different these variations, themes, right? right. So Star Trek, the underdog. Okay. That's right. But, but each of these games would be its own game, would, has, has a core that's similar. Sure. Um, but actually would have different mechanics. Okay. Mechanics. Cool. And, um, again, that that's that's further down the road. I'm not mm-hmm. the publisher saying that. I'm even talking about this because this right. is okay, <laughs> well, that's, not making. I'm making. I'm telling people things that we're not. They're not supposed well, to know. Let's talk a little bit about Go. Oh, I love Go. Yes, yes. We Go. Have that, yeah. And and you know the problem with Go that I have is that the, <laughs> the board game community and the Go community are so different and so separated. Yeah. Wow. And you're either kind of a board game player, or you're kind of a Go player. Wow. And I've introduced so many of my Go friends to the Resistance. I can see that. Yeah. You know, they're, 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 <laughs> yeah. you know, they're getting more and more into board games. Uh-huh. Uh, from, but yeah. uh, it's very it's a very slow process. Yeah, you have to slowly turn up the water. <laughs> yes, but you uh, you teach go. Yeah, yes, that's amazing. And you have a, yeah. U- a YouTube channel that is you teaching go. Yeah, the, yep. at the same time. Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, it's doing quite well. I mean, it has over seventeen thousand subscribers and. That's, wow, that's uh, like 17,000 more uh, listeners. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, there, yeah. there, there is a big Go community. Yeah. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. huge. It's not like the chess community or even sure. the board game community at large. Um, but it's a significant community, um, you know, especially in the world, less so in the United States. But yeah. around the world, it's um, quite a popular game, especially if you go to East Asian countries. Right. Um, and then uh, this past year and a half now, mm-hmm. we've had less than that, we've had the advent of AlphaGo. Um, which, if you if you follow technology news, uh, is a really big deal because it's the first time we've actually had artificial intelligence, machine learning computers that are capable of beating the top human okay. professionals. Wow! Yeah. And and this is this is big news for all board gamers. Right? Yeah. The fact mm-hmm. that we now have AI, and I'll, I'm going to say this, and and you got you anyone listening can absolutely disagree, <laughs> and just know that you're wrong because this is the direct answer. Is that Go is the most emergently complex game that we have oh, yeah. discovered, and I, I like to say that Go has been mm-hmm. discovered because the rules are so stupid simple. Yeah. That it's, it, no human made it, right? It's it's not it's not a human game. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's this almost universal like effect of the universe. It's going to happen organically. Absolutely. Huh. And it's so complex. And we and for the longest time we thought computers would never be able to beat humans at this for yeah. many many decades still to come. Mm-hmm. Even after Deep Blue, you know, beat Kasparov uh, in the nineties, yeah. yeah. uh, they're like Go is still so far off. And at the time, Go computers playing Go were atrociously bad, especially in the nineties. Um, but the new, the next wave of AI is amazing, and so every Go player right now knows what the future is actually holding in terms of AI because they've actually seen these computers playing and they understand what these computers are, are and, and specifically these neural networks are, okay. are actually capable of simulating. Um, the rest of the board game community has not seen that. If you've ever downloaded an iPad app board game and played against the AI, you know how dumb the normal AI oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. can be. Yeah, uh, you can see the patterns. After a couple yeah, and, and uh, Go, Go. We, this past year is big board gaming news because mm-hmm. we finally basically have uh, have the ability to compute mm-hmm. and calculate the most complicated game that we we as humans play. Gosh, how oh. do you do, do? You do Go. You you teach. Actually, you are a teacher, and yeah. you design games. Do you, do you have any time for anything, baby? <laughs> trying to take care that's of a, about baby, it. a new baby. And you're done. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And and, mm-hmm. and you know things have mm-hmm. to give all the time. And yeah. Um, you know, you 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 make sacrifices, and you know you do. Mm-hmm. There are things I could definitely do better, and, and I, that, things I half-ass. And, and we and we talked uh, off offline, but we were we we're talking about how you were doing the con circuit for the while, and now you yeah. can't do it. You, hopefully, you'll make it to OrcaCon this year. I would really I like to. Yes, yes. Um, but I think you you don't have any cons right now 
uh, coming up that you can think the, of? The only one I go, I go to the, the, we'll say the National Go Tournament this summer. Okay. I got permission from the wife to go, the baby to go to <laughs> All right. Um, Excellent. But that's, Excellent. that's, I had to pick and choose. I had okay. to pick and choose very carefully. But, you know, I do try to get, you know, out to, you know, your, your mm-hmm. FLGS, you know, type establishments on yeah. a semi-regular yeah. basis. Okay. And uh, this is a great one. I mean, again, we're around, around the table. Oh, yeah. In, in yeah. Washington. And, and uh, you love uh, X-Wing, right? I, I do love that's X-Wing. Your, that that's, you love doing that, so that's yeah. good. <laughs> so if people want to check out your game, other than mm-hmm. their FLGS, so yeah. is there a website? Absolutely. So Kingsforge is available. Uh, it's on Amazon. Okay. You just go to Amazon and type in Kingsforge and okay. pick up a copy. Uh, most of your other major online retailers will, of course, you know, stock it. Cool. Uh, it's published by Game Salute. So if none of those options are available to you, okay. or you want to go direct to the horse's mouth, you can always <laughs> go to Game Salute's website. Okay. Um, and Game Salute is also publishing Farlight. Uh, it's like okay. a spaceship building game. So they, and that is kind of a spiritual mm-hmm. successor to King's Forge. It's about building something. And cool. There's some dice involved, uh, but they're used very differently mm-hmm. in, in Farlight. Uh, yeah. It's very you know, There's no luck. Actually, King's Forge is, again. There's a push your luck element that uh, doesn't mm-hmm. quite exist in Farlight. Okay. Farlight is much more player based interaction. Cool. Uh, and you got any Twitters or Facebooks I, or anything I like that? I do not tweet. Uh, but you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm on the board game geek, and okay. if, you're, if, you're, awesome. if you're a board gamer, I would you know, and you want to send me a line, that's always a great place. And, okay, uh, cool. Like hearing things through that. So excellent. Thank you, Nick, for uh, coming on our show. Appreciate it. Good luck yeah. with everything. Good luck with the baby. Yeah, yeah thanks. That yeah. is the ultimate role playing. That's the thing game I really right need there. luck with. Yeah, that's that's the one I need to. Well, I tell you what, you can call me for that advice. <laughs> I know how to help you there. Take care. This part of the podcast is brought to you by Games and Gizmos. Games and Gizmos is your friendly local game store with a great selection and a welcoming community. Come to Games and Gizmos in Kirkland, Washington. Now back to the show. Well, that was an interesting interview. What do you think? That was. That was good. That was a great interview. Yeah. Quite entertaining, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks again to Around the Table for letting us do that. Thing. Yes. Thank you very much. And um, also, thanks for Games Plus for letting us do this podcast yes, right Yes, right now. Currently. So, yes, currently. And by the way, all three of us, I just want you to know this. Monday, next Monday, Around the Table, 5 o'clock. Okay. Good. I get you. It's recorded now. I, only, so yep, sorry. I should yes, be. Able I know. To. <laughs> I know. But I see people are getting the insight of what's going on, how sausage is made in this podcast. Yes. So we're going to be around the table, and we're going to interview our good friend Tim Morgan, and hopefully we'll get him on the air. Um, we're going to do a little segment called "Get to Know Your Game Store." So we're going to try to do that and go to different game stores and get. Um, get people to get talk to about the game store. Yeah, and, and we talked. <laughs> yes, uh, we did. I think we did games and gizmos. So that was one that mm-hmm. uh, we'll have on in the future. We'll also have a segment called uh, Geeks Tabletop Game Review, and we've got that next. We got a game called Unfair, and our two podcasts, our two new podcast hosts that will do this segment is Kelly Forbes, and we got Doug. Hey, Doug Lathrop. Should I always screw up his last name? Because I just call him Doug. I just come to the game store and say, Doug, how's it going? He says, hey, how's it going with you? Why can't you remember my last name? <laughs> anyway, with that, let's go into the, the uh, game review on Unfair. This section of the podcast is brought to you by Around the Table, Linwood's premier game store and hangout for game lovers of all ages. Buy a game, play one of ours, or join us for a drink. Whichever you choose, you'll have a great time. Around the Table Game Pub. Now back to our show. Hey, Geeks. Uh, here I am with uh, Doug. Hey, Doug. How's it going? Doing pretty good. All right. Well, you know, Doug called me up. He says, hey, Steve, I got a really cool game uh, I'd like to review. 
And so I came rushing down. So what's the game? So this game is unfair. Uh, it's from uh, Good Games Publishing and Simon Games. Okay. Uh, it is about building the, the best theme park that you can with what resources that you have. Oh, who, who's the person that developed it? Uh, this was done by Joel Finch. Uh, this is his first game that he's developed uh, so far, and it seems to be pretty good. Oh, uh, did he do it by Kickstarter? Or, uh... Uh, he did do it on Kickstarter. Oh, this wow. is my Kickstarter copy. I got a few promos in it as well as uh, what comes in the wow. base game. Well, Joel, good job, Joel. You're living my dream. What about the artist? Uh, the artist, uh, the art was done by Mr. Cuttington. That's a team of artists uh, okay. that do artwork for games. It's a really unique style uh, spread across a few games they've done so far. They did uh, Steampunk Rally, mm -hmm. and they're doing uh, Charterstone from Stonemaier Games coming out later this year. Well, it's a pretty good-looking game. I'm really impressed with the way it looks. What's the price point on this uh, one? It is $49.99, which is pretty oh, not nice because yeah. the, the cards are really nice. Uh, the cardboard for the, the pieces in the game are really, really decent pieces. And Doug, this is, uh, I mean, you work at a games store, so you know what you're talking about. You played tons of games. Uh, just so, just so the listeners know out there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Great. So how many, play, how many players uh, are we talking about, and um, what's the recommended age? Uh, this is for two to five players, ages 14 and up. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it could go from anywhere from 10 to 12 and up. Uh, there's just a little bit of reading comprehension on the cards uh, to get over, but it's pretty easy. And uh, in terms of uh, how long it takes to play, it's not that long, right? Not really. It's about 20 or 25 minutes uh, okay. per player. Uh, probably a little bit longer for the first game as you're learning some of the mechanics on the cards. Okay, and lastly, before we get into the actual game itself, uh, where where can we find this thing? At? Where, where can we buy it? Uh, you can find this at our store, uh, Games Plus in Lake Stevens. Ah, good plug. Uh, good yeah, plug. definitely. <laughs> uh, we've got a copy on the shelf, and I've got my demo mm -hmm. copy here. That'll probably be here for a few more weeks. All right, and you got this on the Kickstarter. I correct? did get this on the Kickstarter. So yes. you got some cool little things from the Kickstarter. I see. You got this I nice did, little yes. pad. Uh, maybe we'll take pictures of it and put it on the Facebook. So, Doug, tell me about the game. What's the object? How, how do you do this? So the object of the game, it's played over a few rounds, and each round players are going to be playing event cards to either boost their uh, popularity for the round or to affect the other players as well for the round. And they're also going to be building attractions and adding upgrades to those attractions in order to uh, attract the most people to their park where they'll spend and collect money uh, for the for the day for the and, round. And does this go into? Is there like uh, does the game end after so many? Hands it ends or? after uh, six rounds. Okay. Uh, Based upon points. Oh, it's eight rounds. Oh, eight bad. rounds. Eight okay. rounds. Yes. 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 Uh, and each round there's uh, an unfair card or mm -hmm. a unfair card that could come up that positively affects all the players or negatively affects them, possibly shutting down some of their rides or. Uh, closing down or reducing their uh, capacity for visitors right. in their park. Lowers or increases the attendance. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, great. Do you, do you have any comparison um, out there that you can think of on this type of game? Uh, not really. It's kind of its own unique thing where you're building this tableau in front of you of your cool. different attractions uh, that you have and adding upgrades. But you also kind of have to watch out for what other players are doing because there are some pretty wicked combos that could happen with the other players that they're doing. They right. jump ahead a little bit, so playing some event cards to kind of stop them is definitely something you need to be thinking about. 
And what about the, I, I see we got some chips here or some uh, different types of. We cards. have some chips One. here. Uh, there's money, which is really nice. There are mesmerizing tokens mm-hmm. that some of the staff members uh, that you hire can steal from other players for a round. That you okay. can use their ability for the round. But there's also randomizing tokens that you can use different uh, sets of cards for each different game. All right, and and then. Tell me about the cards themselves. I see there's there's different types of cards. Uh, I'm assuming you're saying steal a player, so that must or steal a, a character, I guess, right? There or, are staff members that you can hire, like okay. this one, the gate guard that lets you block cards from being played against you, which oh, is okay. always good. Uh, there are main attractions that have star values on them that mm-hmm. attract a certain number of guests, as well as certain symbols on them. And what the symbols are... Uh, you'll score points at the end of the game for each symbol that you have on an attraction, not just different symbols. Now, each upgrade, you can mm-hmm. only have one of the same type uh, on an attraction unless it says otherwise. And what's really neat about these is, as mm-hmm. you'll see, there are panorama uh, artwork on these. So if you collected these three attractions, it forms this really nice panorama artwork. Oh, so you, uh, like, you try park. to get a set. Try to get a set. You don't have to. It's just right. a nice feature that's there because, I mean, we're going to be building different types of attractions and they have different themes. Like this one is the ninja theme. Oh, okay. There's also pirates and robots. Okay, okay, I get it. So, so it, in the themes, there's these panoramas okay. uh, that exist. So I see. So in this theme, like you said, the, the ninja theme, you have a, a, an attraction, which is this uh, kind of like this dragon ride. Then you've got the food court, which is... Um, uh, you know, uh, got food court, yeah, and then of course court, leisure, yeah. a leisure ride with same theme and kind of an Asian theme to it. Mm-hmm. So okay, and then this, and it's is that how much money you get? That is how top? much money it costs to build. Okay, it's uh, on the card. All right. Yeah, whenever you build an attraction, you mm-hmm. pay that cost, and then when everyone has built or played three park cards mm-hmm. from their hand, uh, then the round ends. And at the end of the round, we'll total the star value on all of our open attractions because, like I said before, attractions can't close from your opponents or due to unfair sure. cards. And then you weigh that against your park's capacity. Now, everyone starts with a capacity of 15, but there are uh, resources that you can add, mm-hmm. that you can build, that give you increased capacity or play events that increase capacity. And then you'll gain money for each guest that you get in your park. Wow. Okay, so... We went a little bit in the mechanics and all that. How do you, how do you start the game? How do, how do we do this? So everyone starts with a main gate uh, mm-hmm. and a hand of five park cards. Okay. Uh, if you I don't start with here. any attraction cards in your mm-hmm. hand, uh, you can reveal it, shuffle them back into the park deck, and draw that many until you start with an attraction. Okay, so you have at least one attraction. Yeah, you, okay. you got to start with at least one attraction. All right. Now, the, the park uh, limits you to the number of attractions you can have. You can only have five attractions. Mm-hmm. But you can, uh, on your turn, demolish an attraction in case you want to build something bigger. Like right. the super attraction that everyone starts with. Everyone's going to start with two super attractions, uh, but you can only build them once you reach a certain star value in your park. Got it. Okay. And they give you a once-per-turn ability to... This one says you can stop an upgrade that an opponent plays or demolish mm-hmm. an upgrade, which is pretty good. If mm-hmm. something gives one of your opponents a huge star value, you can just demolish it for free. Okay. And so then you have the cards. 
And you can only have how many in your hand, you said? You start with five. Five. Um, you can only end the turn with seven or more cards. Okay. There are. I'm the assuming you cards. draw a card first, right? You can you choose it. to draw cards uh, on your turn uh, to kind of mm-hmm. refill your hand in case you don't want anything. You can discard unwanted cards and draw and keep a few. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. Seems like a pretty fun game. Yeah. I mean, uh, and pretty simple. So, any other... Uh, any other comments in the game, or what, what do we think about it? Is it a pretty cool, fun game? Uh, it's a pretty good game. I played uh, a print and play version mm-hmm. uh, in the early stages of the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and that was really well. And I think they've ironed out a few of the the problems that they had on the wording that we ran into. Um, but it's a really good game. My family likes it. We played it a few times. Cool. So it's a nice. It it's a family game. It's I mean, a family anybody, game. Anybody can play a game like this. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's two to five players. It works really well with any player number. Okay. Well, hey, Doug, thanks a lot. That's uh, that's a good review of the game. Um, Doug re- recommends it. You give it a thumbs up, I'm I sure. I do give it a thumbs up, yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Doug. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And uh, to all of our listeners out there, make sure you pick up this game unfair. Until next time, I'll catch you later. Well, that was an awesome review, uh, Geek's Tabletop Game Review, our new segment from Doug. And that was the game Unfair from Simon. And yeah, they've been putting out some pretty good games in general, I feel like. I'm a big Zombicide fan, so... Hmm. And I think it was a good start to this segment. Hopefully we'll get some more game reviews from them, and we'll stick them into the podcast here and there. Yeah. I mean, they, great. they actually have time to yeah. do it, because they have to sell these... Stuff and they know store. about games. They do know because about they're games. in a game store. That's all they do: <laughs> play games and sell games. Yep. And honestly, I mean, listeners, if you have a game that you just really love and you want to do, um, let's say, give it a five, a little five-minute mm-hmm. game review, and send us the audio file. Um, we prefer wave format if you can, but uh, we would love to go through those. And if we think it's pretty awesome, we'd love to just uh, put it on the show. We think that'd be great for people to hear it just from the. The listeners out there as well, not just people who you know work at game stores or are heavily involved in this. So, and if you have any ideas that you would like us to put on this podcast, or any people you'd like us to interview, or maybe you want Kelly and Doug to play a game and review it for you, contact us at Geeks of Cascadia at gmail.com. Yep, or you can just message us on the Facebook thing. That too. The Twitter machine. The Twitter, the Twitter machine. machine. The Twitter's inner space. What? Anyway. Uh, is there anything else? I think that's good. Are we good? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, hey, with that, let's, as I always say, embrace the nerd, and I hope you make that saving throw. Cascadia podcast featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. Geeky bloopers. That was such a good interview with Tim. Well, that was Doug, but yeah. Oh. <laughs> I love it. Let's, let's this start is this good. Over. What? No, Come on. No, no. Was it? Were we going directly 